0: chapter 20 here in John chapter 20 there's a lot I mean a lot of bad doctrine that comes from this chapter but I don't want to look at a lot of bad doctrine I want to run to the good things so that's what I'm gonna that's what I'm gonna look at but I want to give you the, the hundred thousand foot view John 20 John chapter 20. I want to give you the 100,000-foot view and just tell you what happens in this whole chapter real quick, and then I want to look at the whole chapter. We're going to go back through it, Lord will, in each little section, but I just it was just such a comfort to me to go through the whole thing, and I hope it's a comfort to you. And so, there in John 20, let me tell you, put it in shoe leather for you, what happens, okay? Here's what happened in this chapter. Mary is going to come to the Lord's tomb where he was and she's going to see that that stone's been moved and right then she's going to turn around and run back to the others and she's going to run back to where Peter and John is and say the stone's been moved and they're going to run back to the tomb all three of them John's going to get there first and they're going to see that that tomb's empty that there's garments in there and then them boys are going to leave they're going to go home but Mary's going to stay there she's been crying she's going to keep crying and angel's going to speak to her, two of them. And she's going to turn around and she's going to see the Lord. And she won't know it's him. And then he's going to speak to her personally and reveal himself to her. And she's going to rejoice. And as having a church house meeting <laughs> without her there. Because it's the first day of the week. She's going to run there to the church house where the saints are gathered and tell them what she saw. And then Christ is going to appear to them. But somebody wasn't there. And so they're going to wait a whole week. And they're gonna have another church service. And Christ's gonna be there too. And then that one that wasn't there at the first is going to see him at the end. Lord's gonna to appear to them. And then he's gonna equip them. He's gonna tell them something. And he's gonna send them out. This is really sweet. This is really the Lord preserved this whole chapter. And I think it's gonna be a good blessing to you too. I hope the Lord will make us attentive tonight. I know it's been a long day and it's warm in here and cold outside, but I think this will be a blessing. Here in John 20, verse 1. It says, the first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. I want to touch on this first verse just for a second. You, It's agreed the Lord was crucified on a Friday and they took him off the cross for the preparation on Saturday, what's the Sabbath, and this is Sunday morning. Now there's a, an evening, a night, a whole day, a night, and then this day. And the Lord was in the ground for three days and three nights. Uh, Don't get tied up in that math problem. Was it three days and three nights? Yes, it was. Well, I don't understand that. You don't understand how Jonah got swallowed by a whale either, but you believe it, don't you? So until the Lord teaches us his math, don't get tied up in these numbers, you'll miss Christ. Okay? But it was the first day of the week. That's when the apostles met. That's when we meet. We meet on the first day of the week on on a Sunday. And there's nowhere in the scriptures it's recorded that the Lord's Uh, in the New Testament that the the, the New Testament church ever met on a Sabbath day. Now, we also meet on a Wednesday. Every day's the Lord's Day, isn't it? But when we meet, we meet on a Sunday. And it says there early in the morning when it was yet dark. It was real early. I told you before, it's good to get up early, isn't it? You know, God says so. It's good to get up. I wake up every morning and I walk in the living room and I see somebody reading the scriptures. (laughs) She gets up before I do. That's a good time. It's good to get up early. It ain't good to be lazy and sleep in. It's good to get up early and read the word and look for the Lord right then, early, when it's dark. You know, David said that. He said, oh God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. Does that mean early in your life? We hope so. That's good when children seek the Lord. But does that mean early in the day? That makes for a good day too. He said, my soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where there's no water, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Just as I do on Wednesdays and Sundays, I want to see you on a Tuesday morning, Lord, bright and early, while it's still dark. It's good to get up. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, life, my lips shall praise thee. Ain't that a good way to start a day? That's a good way to start a day, isn't it? Lord tells us that, and it says there was a stone there. It's been moved. Mark 16. There's in all four gospels this is recorded, and and, and there's a beautiful connection there, but it's just too complicated. I'm gonna have to keep working on it. I make it simple. It's, it looks really. It looks like they're they're different and they're not. But they were talking as they come up, and and it says there was a great earthquake, and an angel came and rolled that stone away. Then women said, "How are we gonna move that stone? Ain't no men here. That thing's heavy." And there's a great earthquake. You're going to keep folks from attending services? Well, we had an earthquake. We had a natural event. I, I, just, I just can't make it today. It's windy. <laughs> you going to miss Christ for that? Something else is windy, isn't it? So they came and a stone was rolled back from the door and that angel just sat upon it. You remember what we just saw on Sunday with Daniel? Remember that? Daniel 6 said a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet. And then he stayed up all night worrying and pacing and he couldn't listen to no music. And the next morning, here come uh, King Darius. And, and he came down to see if Daniel's still alive and to see if, God's, or if Daniel's God was able to deliver him. He said, you still in there? And they said, oh, king, live forever. He said, my God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lion's mouth, that they have no hurt over me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in me. Innocency was found in this tomb. in John 20, wasn't it? And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. And the king was exceedingly glad for him. <laughs> this is good news. This made people happy. It was exceeding glad, not just kind of glad exceeding glad, and he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the lion's den. How are you going to get him out of the lion's den? Were well, you going to have to move the stone? Somebody had to move it. There's work to be done. Somebody's got to do some work. <laughs> they had to move a stone. Well, when was this? This was the first day of the week. What was there? There was a stone there, and it had been moved. Who was it that saw the stone? Mary Magdalene. In all four Gospels, it's recorded that Mary was the first one there at the tomb. Who was this Mary? We read over in Luke 8, a certain woman. That's always a good thing. <laughs> a certain woman which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities called Mary Magdalene out of whom went seven devils. She was infirmed. She was sick. Seven devils were in her. Well, I only have six. <laughs> no. that's that, She was perfectly consumed with demons. She was perfectly not Christ. You understand? And she is sick. And the Lord took that out of her and made her a new creation. Now that was still housed in this old body. There's a new creation in her. We read just before that, just before Mary was mentioned in Luke seven about that woman with the alabaster box, she's not named. Many think it was her. But you know what? If it wasn't Mary Magdalene, that's Mary Magdalene. If if that if that wasn't a woman there at the Lord's feet doing an alabaster box, it was this fella. That's my story. Is that your story? That's what happened. A woman came that she was called a sinner. And it was in a Pharisee's house named Simon, and she washed the Lord's feet with her tears. And she anointed him with that alabaster box that was worth a whole year's salary. And they got upset. They got mad about it. And they said, Now if he was a prophet, he would know she is a sinner and he wouldn't let her touch him. Why, well, you know, you keep some bad company. Did you know there was a time when people kept bad company? If I hung around them, <laughs> I was the bad company. You ever been to bad company? And Jesus said, Simon, I've got something to say to you. And he said, Master, say on. Oh, you should have hushed. <laughs> there was a certain creditor who had two debtors and one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon said, I suppose he the whom for he forgave most. And the Lord said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. You got that one right, buddy. They that been forgave much, they love much. If it's all right, you ain't been forgiven much, have you? You don't need forgiveness so much. It don't matter to you. You can just take it, leave it and forget all about it. All all the other days of the week. But if God's forgave you and you're a great sinner, you're going to love much. He told him, he goes on, he said that. Simon, he goes, you didn't wash my feet when I came here, and she ain't quit washing my my feet with her tears. She wept over sin, over joy. We looked at that Sunday too, didn't we? She always ties together. These scriptures compare to scriptures, don't they? And he said, you didn't kiss me. You didn't greet me when I come in. You didn't give me a holy kiss. She ain't stopped kissing my feet. You didn't anoint my head. She brought something that was worth a whole year's worth and just spilled it on me. There was one person that had a problem with that. He said, you wasting the church's money. Who was it? Judas. Wasn't it? And he said, her sins, and there's a whole bunch of them, they're forgiven, and she loves me a bunch. And he said, thy sins are forgiven. woman. And they said, who is this that forgives sins? God did. He said, go in peace. And you know where she went? With him. Chapter 8, verse 2, I'm convinced. Of it. Why was she there at the cross? She was there at the cross. She loved the Lord. She'd been forgiven much. She'd been loved much, so she loved much. Why was she there at that tomb a couple of days later? Still, she loved much. Let me tell you something. Love does something. Love ain't full of hot air that just yik-yaks about doing something. It does it. It does it. You can be a mute and prove your love. I heard a lot of people talk about being men nowadays. A man ain't got to tell you nothing. They just are. And they do what they say they're going to do. Love does something. And she was clinging to where the last place she saw the Lord, and that's where she was hanging out. She wasn't going nowhere. There are verse 1, John 20, verse 1, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, early, when it was yet dark, <laughs> real early, unto the sepulcher. And seeing the stone taken away from the sepulcher, then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. That's John who's writing to us and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first first to the sepulcher. There's three believers here. That's who we're talking about, right? These, These are the characters. Mary came and told what facts she had. She didn't tell what she thought. She didn't... Paint up some extra stuff. She saw the stone and went and told him. Stone's been moved. And here come Peter and John. They're running. And John outran Peter. Does that mean that he just loved the Lord more? No. He was younger. (laughs) He was fitter. He's in better shape than Peter was. But his character is about to be shown a little bit. We're going to learn something about him. He was more reserved. Peter was more outspoken. John was more patient and all the piping off, he'd say, well, we waited a little while, didn't we? Well, you're jumping to conclusions. Well, I waited about six months to jump to that conclusion. <laughs> he's a little more calm. What was Peter? He's like more likely to pop off right then. Pop off, wouldn't he? Look here, verse 5. And he's stooping down. This is John. He got there first. And looking in, he saw the linen clothes lying. Yet he went not in. He got there first, and he looked inside that tomb, but he didn't go inside that tomb. He stopped with reverence. He stopped with patience. He stopped to observe and gain some facts before he made a decision. What about Peter? He just ran right in. (laughs) Verse 6, then comes Simon Peter. He's catching up, winded, following him, and he went into the sepulcher. He just went all the way (laughs) in. Why is that recorded that way? Mary didn't even go look in the first time. John runs up to it faster than anybody and looks in. Peter finally catches up and goes all the way in. Hmm. Why did it happen? Now, that's three very different actions, isn't it? That teaches us something. Every child of God, every not just everybody, every true believer, people born again, they all have different gifts. They all have a different capacity to serve. They all have a different time frame. Ain't nothing cookie cutter. A time frame it pleases the Lord to operate in, and you know what? We love Mary, and we love John, and we love Peter, don't we? There's believers are peculiar people, and some's a little more peculiar than others. I <laughs> say, just quirky. I'm quirky. Uh, I'm easy to get along with if you're around me. <laughs> uh, but there there's some folks are just different, and that don't bother us one bit. We love them all the more. We love them all. I love them just the way the Lord made them. I do. You with me? Now there's a good lesson in this. The Holy Ghost moved Paul to teach us a lesson in this. I want you to hear me. Hear me good, okay? God's preachers are not in competition. God's preachers are not in competition. I've heard people say before, I wished I would have corrected it and I didn't. I hope the Lord's Wounded me on this enough where I'll do something about it next time. He'll be with me, but he'll say that's I'll be a conference. That's a favorite message. My favorite message this whole conference, or you know, that's my favorite preacher. I just love listening to that preacher. That's that's oh, they're they're there. Oh, that's my favorite one. I'm I'm human too. There's people I got to get up after. <laughs> they preach. I got preach after them. I, was like, I don't want to. I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the Lord, and. Uh, we ought not to esteem one over the other or one message over the other. That's a bad spirit. And the Lord ain't going to bless that way of thinking. You hear me? God ain't going to bless it. Can I make good on that or is that my opinion? Let's turn to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now these three believers running into that tomb, very different, very different. But they're the Lord's people. They're not in competition. They're laboring together for the cause of Christ. First Corinthians 3, look at verse 4. It says, For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Isn't that fleshly? That's fleshly, isn't it? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed. All they did was come preach to you a Christ you believe in. Even as the Lord gave to every man, everyone on earth. No, every one of his people, God sent a preacher to. They didn't figure it out on their own in their basement. Every one of them, God sent somebody to preach to them. And he does that for every one of his elect, sends them somebody. He, sends him. he could make stones rise up and, and preach the gospel, but he chose not to. He, he chose to find the, the chief harlot in every town, <laughs> the head harlot, and use that one. He did this for everybody. It says in verse 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Ain't nothing changed, has it? I know men that labor for 20 years preaching to somebody. And then they go to the next town over, and then the Lord saves them and they're baptized over there. <laughs> in another faithful church. It'd be sad to labor throwing seed that long <laughs> and see it spring up somewhere else, for that preacher. They didn't care. I wouldn't have cared either. It ain't us. The Lord gave the increase. So then neither, verse 7. So then neither is he that planteth anything. They ain't nothing. Somebody loves me. Kevin ain't nothing. Neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. We ain't competition. We're not trying to outdo each other. We're not trying to keep up with the other one. We're working together. We're on the same team. Okay? And so are all believers. We're not trying to outdo one another. We're not trying to outgive one another. We're not trying to undergive and undercut nobody neither. We're one. There's unity there. Now back in our text are in John 20, verse 6. John 20, verse 6. Then come a sign of Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. Lie. You can trace that word all the way back to destined it's wholly appointed folded in perfection put right there we'll look at that in here in a couple of weeks lord will and the napkin that was about the head not lying with the linen clothes but wrapped together in a place by itself it was rolled up over here the linens was over there, neatly folded you know what that shows us this is beautiful i know you've heard this before i won't tell it again there was no hurry in the lord leaving that tomb he was not in a hurry. This is the king, and he operates on his own timeline. He's not rushed. And I tell you what else, it was orderly. He's, our God's a God of order. He, he kept his house in order, and he kept him linens in order, and he folded them neatly. And I thought, too, if you was busting out of jail, you was getting away with something, You would, would you make your bed? No, you just climb out the window and run, <laughs> wouldn't it? He wasn't busting out of jail. The payment had been accepted. And he patiently, with purpose and intent, he prepared for that moment for him to leave when the stone drove away. Purposely. He didn't walk through the stone. The stone was moved. And he was ready for it when it came. Right on time. That's the king. That's the king. Verse 8. Then went in also that other disciple... Which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. John looked in and believed. Did he believe that the Lord had risen? No, he believed the Lord's body wasn't there. Mary said, They took him. I just saw a stone rolled, but why would it be rolled? John looked in there, and there wasn't no body, and he believed that there wasn't nobody. It says in verse 9, For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. It didn't occur to John that the Lord had risen. From the dead on the third day, can we fault him for that? You reckon he ought to know well, I know that <laughs> there's an apostle. he's just scared. We ought not fault, fault the apostles or any or, or anybody else for not seeing what we should see, for not knowing the scriptures like we ought to know the scriptures this This man standing here, Peter standing there Marys they heard the master say. When that man said, we want a sign, said, you're an adulterous generation, you ain't getting no sign. Except for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in a whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And just like that serpent in the wilderness, whenever I'm lifted up, (laughs) when I'm exalted, all men's going to look to me. All my people's going to come to me. And they had heard him tell Martha. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection. This this ain't just a doctrine. This ain't just something that's, going to happen way off in the future you're looking at him they heard him say that to martha and then they they saw him raise lazarus from the dead and yet they still did not see and yet they still did not rejoice from what was happening right in front of them they didn't see him they didn't see his word they didn't recall it did they the lord has to reveal that look in verse 10 then the disciples went away unto their own home they went home <laughs> what are we gonna do i don't know go to the house. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre, weeping, and she wept and stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. She finally looked in. She hadn't looked in yet. And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. This is a precious verse. Do you see that? Is all clicking now? Remember that lid to the ark that held the covenant, the testimony the Lord shall give? It said, He make one cherubim on the one end and the other cherubim on the other end of the mercy seat. Shall you make the cherubims on the two ends thereof? And they're going to stretch forth their wings and they're going to shadow that mercy seat and they're going to cover the mercy seat with their wings and their faces are going to face, they're going to look at one another towards the mercy seat. There's going to be one on one end and one on the other end, one on the head, one on the foot, looking in the middle. And the Lord said there in Exodus 25, 22, He said, right there is where I'm going to meet you. Right there. I will commune with thee. I don't want to just bump into the Lord. I want to commune with him. From above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony. Of all things, which I will give thee in commandment to the children of Israel. I'm going to command everything for my children. It's going to take place right between them two cherubims. He keeps saying it over and over. Well, what's, what's Mary looking at? Two angels dressed in white. One at the head, one at the foot where Christ was laid. Christ, our mercy seat. Where's the Father going to meet us? In Christ. Ain't no man going to see him live. We have to be in him. But to be right there. Paul said, "Herein is love, not that we' love God, not that you was looking for him, He wasn't lost. He looked for me because he loved me, and he found us, and he sent his son to be a propitiation of mercy seat, a blood-covered, accepted sacrifice. How do we know that mercy seat was accepted? It wasn't there. <laughs> he offered himself to God, and he went to God. It was accepted. Christ is risen, isn't it? Christ is risen. He offered himself a propitiation for our sins. Look at verse 12. And see if the two angels in white setting, and one at the head, the other feet, where the body had Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, woman, why weepest thou? What you crying for? <laughs> I'm so upset. Why? I hope next time I bellyache and say how tore up I am, look me dead in the eye and say, Why? Oh, I'm just so Why? Why are you weeping? What's wrong with you? They said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back. There's a lot of speculation on that. It don't matter. Uh, that she was just so greedy, and that what she just said was shameful, so she turned her head. And Gil said that they might have motioned to her to turn around, like, Hey, look over there. <laughs> good message of the Lord. It doesn't matter. She she turned around and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Who is this? Who is this? Mary Magdalene. What'd she do? Wash the Lord's feet. You reckon she knew what he looked like? She didn't know it was him, did she? And he saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? He said the same thing those angels said. What you crying for? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, Tell me where they've laid him, and I'll take him away. Mister, whoever you are, if you know where they took my Lord, tell me, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to be where he is. I'm going to be where he is. Why didn't Mary know that this was the Lord? There's a lot of beautiful things come to mind. One, she was weeping and had been weeping for three days. Her eyes probably about swelled shut. You ever cried for three days over your sin, over, over wanting to be in the presence of your God? Just take a long weekend and just sit around and weep over your sin and over your joy. Happy that he's on his throne. We ever, we ever just take a whole day off and just cry hard because God's on his throne out of joy. Her eyes, she had been crying a long time. And like those road, to, those two on the road to Matus, maybe her eyes was holding. Maybe the Lord made it where he didn't reveal himself to her. Or the last time she'd saw him, when well, she'd been with him for a while, his visage was marred more than any other man, and here he is, in his glorified body. She didn't know it was him. She didn't know it was him. But where was he? Right there with her. Right there with her. She didn't see him. She didn't recognize that as Lord. Yet he was with her. You get that? He didn't see. She didn't see him. He saw her. That's what's important. You know, on the latitude, longitude goes up and down. Latitude goes this way. You go far south, you got the roaring 40s. Start getting down to Drake Passage in the Southern Seas. You got the furious 50s and the screaming 60s. You don't want to be on a boat down there. Sailors, they they created sayings for these severe winds that come through in these massive waves and these rogue waves. They say, You go below 40 degrees south, there's no law. Ain't no law out here. You go below 50 degrees south, there is no God. That's a lie. That's not so. He's everywhere, isn't he? But how often do we feel that way? We cry out like David, Lord, are your mercies clean, gone forever? Have you left me? Are you gone? I don't see you. He's standing right there. (laughs) Don't matter if you see him. It matters if he sees you. She thought he was a gardener. Did it say gardener in your Bible? (laughs) She thought he was the gardener. Our Lord's in his glorified body, wasn't it? He was glorified. The only thing wrong with him that would identify him was his scars on his hands and his feet and his side. And he still looked like a servant. That was precious to me. That was, he's not some, looks like a cover of a romance novel with long, abominable hair. It's an abomination for a man to have long hair. and And, and looking like some movie star. He looked like a gardener. You bet he was a gardener there's the very one that plows, that plants, that waters, that gives the increase. This is the servant and the gardener right there. Looking right at her. How's she going to know it's him? Let me ask you something. How are you going to know it's him? How you going to know it's him? We don't see the Lord most of the time, do we? We walk through this world just dumber than a box of rocks and so selfish and self-righteous. We can't ain't got no time to look to him, but he's there. And just like Mary, she's sitting there weeping over everything she didn't understand until the Lord speaks to us personally. I ain't beating the air. Uh, as The prophets of old even have felt that way. That Well, there's no response. Oh, there's a response. That, that word don't return void. It, it'll either kill or make alive. It's going to do one or the other. But how are we going to know it's him? He has to speak to us personally. He has to speak to us. Luke verse 16. And Jesus saith unto her, Mary. That's a whole sentence. It got, it's got its own period. <laughs> Mary. What does the Lord have to do to wake somebody up and give them life? Let's call them by name. There was a day a man was preaching, and the Lord spoke to me. Through that man, which it didn't matter which man that was, and he said, Kevin. That wasn't that fellow talking to me no more. i tell you what, I cherish that man. <laughs> I'll do whatever I could to take care of it. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Master. There's so many mean Pharisees called him Master. And I can just, it's not really what you say, it's how you say it. Master. Well, hello, Master. Just sarcastic and ought to have the taste slapped out of their mouth. Why she calling him Master? Same as the apostles did. Like a pet name is what my pastor told us. Uh, my name's Kevin, but uh, certain members of my family call me something else. Tenderness. Master. Master. What do you think she did? you think she just met him eye to eye? Think she crossed her arms like this? Said, where you been? She went to the same place where, where she was before she hit his feet, didn't she? Right down, clung to him. Like, I ain't letting you go. I think Jacob had a good hold. She does too, don't she? Look at verse 17. And Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. What did he say to her? He said, I'm going to go to the Father. It's your Father. I'm going to go to the, my God. that's your God. That's unity, isn't it? That's sonship to the King. That's a good message. That's a good message. The Lord says, I am yours and you're mine. And I'm going to go to our Father. Right now. My Father and your Father. Verse 19. And the same day in the evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, they were gathered together, first day of the week, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. That's where they were, because they were God's people. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Not peace, peace, where there is no peace. They were gathered together, God met with them and spoke peace to them. Anything changed? Same thing. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. He didn't just come in giving them ice cream and cake. He showed them the hard work that had been finished. The pain that it took. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Peace was declared. The evidence was presented. And the saints were glad. The saints were glad. Talking to a friend of mine the other day, a fellow preacher, and he said, "I preached the message. A person came up, told me that was the harshest, meanest thing they ever heard." He said, "And about five saints come up to me, said that was the sweetest message. That was just such comfort." He said, "How could the thing? He knows how, but you you're like, well, how could that happen?" Lord, it, it, they were happy about it. They were happy about. it. They were glad. Then Jesus said unto them again, verse twenty one, "Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so I send you." I came to you. He spoke peace. Evidence has been accepted. <laughs> We're happy about it. And I says, just as the Father sent me, I'm gonna send you out. You got go going all the world, preach the gospel. There's a place I was trying to check out the other day to see if they was preaching the gospel there, and there ain't no evidence of nothing I could find. There ain't a website. They ain't a sermon audio. They ain't a podcast. They ain't a nothing. Not even a Yelp review. <laughs> nothing. They ain't trying to get whatever they got to say. I just want to know what they had to say. You can't find out and tried calling and didn't even, nobody answered the phone. The Lord's going to send his people out, get that message out. They had a lot of work ahead of them, a lot of pain, a lot of struggle, and they're going to need some strength. They're going to need some power and ability to do this. And it's a nerve wracking thing to handle preaching the gospel. I thought of Colonel Tidbe- Tibbetts. You know who that was? His mom was named Anolia Gay, and he named his plane after her. It's a B-29 and they put a bomb called Little Boy on it. And they flew it and they dropped it on Japan. First atomic bomb dropped, wouldn't it? You reckon what time they was flying? They had a little bit of turbulence, do you think he, <sighs> they they were pretty sure it wouldn't ignite all the oxygen on Earth and destroy the whole Earth. They're pretty confident it wouldn't do that. But they weren't eh, well, we'll find out in a minute. Do you think whenever they got a they had to get up, do you think they checked the straps on that thing? You think they prepared for it? Is it tied down? (laughs) They didn't put a timer on that thing, did they? How fast are we flying? I bet they were pretty attentive, weren't they? Paul said, so as much as in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God. Dunamis, that's where we get dynamite from. The power blows up. Unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You think Paul was prepared to preach? You think he took time to check his notes, his straps, and be ready? In season and out of season? Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. and said to them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever's sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. and Whosoever's sins ye retain, they are retained. Christ had the Holy Ghost without measure. But these boys had it measured to them. We have it measured to us, don't we? But he breathed it into them. They needed it. They needed it. They didn't have the New Testament with them. They just had the Old Testament. And most people didn't have that. And they had to write the New Testament what time That's teaching and preaching everywhere and baptizing and evangelizing and doing the work the Lord gave them to do. And that was dangerous work. They needed a lot of comfort. Did you know that? I got to thinking, I was working on an article, Would the Lord bring me to a place where you or somebody else just to get you out there like them children of Israel starve you to death? He just might. And it ain't a question of me starving to death, it's a question of me being willing to serve him and be starved to death. These eleven that he breathed on, I wrote this down. You know, I don't know how they died. They ain't alive. They had died somehow. You're going got cancer, they have diabetes. Andrew was crucified. Simon Zelote is crucified. Jude, crucified. Philip, he was stoned, and then they hung his body on a cross. Bartholomew, they beat him, and then they crucified him. Peter, crucified, upside down at Rome, wasn't he? Thomas, they killed him with a spear. Matthew, they killed him with a halberd. That's a, a spear with an axe on the end of it, and they mauled him and cut him all to pieces. James the Great, beheaded. You don't reckon they'll cut your head off. They just might. We're going to go anyway. Everybody everybody wants to be in Isbe, touch time to do Isbe stuff, isn't it? James the less, stoned to death. And John, the one that's writing to us, may have been the worst. Exiled to a, a, a Isle of Patmos that was uninhabited till hundreds of years later because people were worshiping him and not Christ. Alone. All by himself, without worldly companions, till he died of old age, alone on rocks, they needed the Holy Ghost. Didn't they? they needed Christ to to reveal Himself to them and to comfort them and to be there with them. That's what they needed. There's one thing needful, and it's a person. So He breathed the Holy Ghost to them. Verse 23. This is when I was like, the "Lord, said, don't touch my body." She's just hugging His feet. He <laughs> said, "Hold on, now, Mary." They said, "Well, He hasn't ascended yet. The offering hadn't been accepted. No, it had been. He is still going to be there for 40 more days." And they said, "I'm gonna be. I'm gonna come see the brethren several times. You don't have. To, I don't have to. You ever had a little child run up and grab you? Okay, hold on, now, buddy. I'm gonna be here all week. Just calm down. Here, no man can forgive another man's sins. Only God can. But we're sent out just as Christ was sent out by the Father to preach all flesh is grass. Behold your God, and all those that believe on Christ and are baptized in His name shall be saved, and that's forever. It ain't gonna be undone. That's it. Poor Thomas." That's his name. I named my children. Y'all have names, Grace and Faith and Josiah and on purpose. I knew the Lord when I named you. And sometimes whenever we have na- David Evans, said he loves stories about David, probably because his name was David. <laughs> Thomas missed the church service one week, verse 24. But Thomas, one of the 12 called Didymus, that was his Greek name, was not with them when Jesus came. You see that in verse 24? He wasn't there. Verse 25. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. This is through the week. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails and put my finger into the prints of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. What happened to him in such a short period of time? That's the opposite of faith. Faith's believing something that you ain't seen. He said, If I don't see, I ain't going to believe. That's the exact opposite. And after eight days again, there's an inclusive day, so it's Sunday again. The disciples went there in, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Peace be. He went a whole week in misery. He, he wasn't there whenever they gathered together, and then Christ was there with them, and Christ spoke peace, and the evidence was presented, and everybody was glad. Thomas wasn't there. He is now. Christ is there. I wrote this down. He didn't just miss, miss a church service one week. He didn't just miss a message. He didn't just miss a sermon. He didn't just miss glorifying God and the singing of our lovely voices. He missed Christ that week. How important is it? Is, it, is a Wednesday different than a Sunday? My children asked me that one time. I said it three times. I said it four. Hopefully 40 over the years. Says Lord will keep me. My children asked me one time we come through on a Wednesday or a Thursday service in New Jersey, and I didn't have tie on, didn't have jacket on, and they said, "Why come tonight's not as important as Sunday?" And I said, "Why would you?" I said, "Why would you say that?" What do you mean? This is important as Sunday. They said, "Yeah, but you dress up nice for Sunday. You don't dress up nice on Thursday." This is important. This is important. Christ be with us. What, what, what's that word? I don't care if you got flip flops on. If He's with us, you know what I mean. <laughs> That's important, isn't it? He didn't just miss a sermon. He missed Christ. And what did that quickly lead to? Unbelief, lack of faith, being disgruntled with his brethren, his brothers and sisters, and demanding a sign and an experience. That's a death sentence. The Lord told him, he said, a wicked and adulterated generation seek after a sign. You ain't going to get no sign but the sign of the prophet Jonas, the one that was buried for three days and come out again. And he left them and departed. He left them people that wanted those things. But Thomas is still there. What's this prove to us? Despite our failures, despite our inability, despite our fears and our false demands, our ignorant demands, the Redeemer's faithful. Now, we got to be brought pretty low before we have to lean on his faithfulness instead of our own. Well, I'm doing pretty good. Now, but, 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 quit buttoning and bow. He has to make us get that low as where Thomas was so we can see. And boy, it's precious when we see He's the one that's faithful. Look at verse 27. Then he said, saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger. He didn't depart and say, get out of here, you wickedest adulterers. He said, come here, son, give me a hand. That's the difference between sonship it, and heathens. Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. Believe me, son. Grabbed him by the wrist, I bet. And pulled that hand. <laughs> believe. You think he's going to believe God commands belief? Bet he will. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed were they that have not seen, and yet have believed. We believe. We profess him. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written. John, said, everything I just wrote to you? This is written, that ye might believe. Somebody's going to hear this and believe on him. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing, you might have life through his name. That's something. It? That's a, the word gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger the more I read it. And he gets more amazing and more awesome. Worthy of all And his faithfulness is the same, but he proves himself to me over and over and over again. And I need it. I don't, I don't, I want it. I don't just want it. I need it. I need that. I need to be kept just as he's promised he would. And just as he has done, so shall he do. And I'm thankful for that. I hope this chapter was a blessing to you. I look forward to, as the Lord allows, going back through it, I hope it blessed you like it blessed me. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the faithfulness of our King, our Lord, and our God. Worthy is the Lamb. Lord, oh, forgive us our unbelief. Forgive us of our pride, our self-righteousness. And as painful as the trials may be, Lord, humble us and keep us as you promised you will. Teach us, Lord. Make Christ all to us. You've promised these things and we still petition. We inquire of them, Lord. Thank you for this. Thank you for the revelation you have gave us. Thank you that you've made us witnesses of such a great salvation of great sinners. Lord, we're in need. Be with our brethren that aren't able to be with us and give them that need and provide Christ, the one thing needful. It's because of him, Lord, that we ask it. Amen. All right.